Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. Hey there, and welcome once again to another edition of Strange Planet. And it is, good Lord, it is a strange planet. And if you'd like to get a little bit deeper into Strange Planet, why don't you think about becoming a premium subscriber? It's real easy to do. Just click on the link in the episode notes, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. There are three subscription tiers or packages to choose from. Choose the one that's right for you. You get commercial-free listening, bonus episodes that are exclusive to premium subscribers, and you get a subscription to my monthly newsletter, Intersanctum, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. People who are familiar with my daily radio program on Saga 960, The Richard Serrett Show, are well aware that I've had such esteemed guests as Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Harvey Reich, the uh, Professor Emeritus of Epidemiology at Yale University. And they are just two of a number of physicians who are on the medical board of the wellness company, twc.health, twc.health. And uh, I encourage you to visit the website, check it out, twc.health. It's all about owning your health, owning your wellness, and owning your freedom and fighting back against big pharma. And you can become a member and gain access to virtual care. They've got uh, some amazing medical kits, the medical emergency kit, the COVID emergency kit. Some of these are not available in Canada. They're working on it. The CEO tells me they're working on it. And perhaps by 2024, we'll have some good news in that regard. 
But we're going to talk about all of that and much more right now with my next guest, who is a graduate of Palmer College of Chiropractic, and he studied uh, vaccinations and adverse reactions for over 20 years, and he has uh, put on vaccine lectures for the past decade. He's an expert in epigenetics and the wellness model paradigm, and an executive producer of The Time Is Now, Dr. Ben Tapper. Welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? Richard, I am great. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here, my friend. Epigenetics. What is that? What does that mean? So... Basically, and a lot of people, you know, we're familiar with the germ theory, um, and there's this great debate right now going on if the germ theory is actually true, and it's really the germ theory versus the terrain theory. And, you know, in other words, um, the, the terrain model is very similar to the epigenetic model. So, you know, the germ, we're told that we're sick because of bad genes, bad germs, or really bad luck, and that's just not true. It's bad science. The truth of the matter is we can blame pathology on one to 2% of, of disease on genetics, like Down syndrome or cystic fibrosis or something wrong with the genome. But if we don't have a genetic pathology, we have an epigenetic disease. And dis-ease, dis means away from a state of ease. So disease is a, a disturbed condition. It's not a thing or entity like Big Pharma wants to tell you it is. They want to create an entity out of it, and they want to create a pharmaceutical for it or, or a vaccine for it. But really, the epigenetic model is is basically, um, in other words, how do you, we say this? Your level of health is the the genetic expression of your lifestyle choices of how we eat, move, think, pray, and relate. In other words, your body adapts its physiology to meet the load it's under. That's the environment we're in, um, and and so it's really understanding that. Um, your level of health is a continuum. It's you're either moving towards health and wellness or sickness and disease, and the choice is yours. Every choice you make has a consequence, and that's really the epigenetic model. It's about the environment that we're in, and and really um, the cause of all disease is the body's inability to adapt to the environment it's in, right? And so that's the epigenetic model, understanding that our, our, our physiological um, processes in the body change, um, you know, and they they can be influenced in a good way or a bad way, and the choice is ours. I want to shift gears here a little bit and talk about what's happening over in China and this uh, the, a lot of fear about the spread of this um, pneumonia epidemic, which is affecting a lot of small children. And uh, what are you hearing? What is the latest over there? This is something that I want to talk about, too, because this is something that we hear a new scare every year. The media loves to weaponize colds, you know, disease X. It's terrifying, right? We have no idea what it is. Right, they call it disease X and ramp up this fear-mongering campaigns. Every year we see this. And every year, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. So, you know, swine flu, Zika, Ebola, measles outbreak, chickenpox outbreak, you know, the corona, all this stuff. So, you know, I always try to tell people, do not be afraid of this. They're really renaming these flus. And we're going to have all these different variants. And we have to kind of get back to reality here and not give in to this fear-mongering campaigns being pushed by the media. You know, I was taught that fear is the fire that fuels the furnace of disease. You know, and, and, and you know, people do get sick. Do not get me wrong. But why are we sick? And are we to fear disease? And that's the better question. Benjamin Franklin said an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So in these times, we need to be preventative. And so shut the TV off, first of all, and don't buy into the media. 
But if you want to be preventative, get one of those emergency kits from the wellness company. You know, get the the medical kit there, the emergency kit, and that's going to help you stay out of the hospitals. But we need to be proactive when it comes to our health and not just fear disease and just be um, reactive when it comes to our health, but be proactive, be preventative and have those emergency kits. Yes, it's a, it's a great state of mind to have that in the back burner when you ever need it. It's going to give you peace of mind. Okay. And I do recommend that. But the biggest thing is we need to be proactive with our choices that we make. Let's not be sedentary. Let's not just sit around for eight hours a day. Let's eat well, move well, think well, pray well, and we can be well. And that is the key there. So when it comes to these scare tactics things, I don't give into it, but I want to be preventative. Absolutely. And that's the key. And what are you hearing about incidents in the U.S.? Yeah, so this is this is going back to we are in a time of we are in vitamin D deficiency season. This is what the flu season is. I was taught that there are four seasons, not five in school. But you know, this flu season is we're not getting summer, 30 minutes of summer sunlight this time of year. We have more stress now than ever before. We have more physical stress, more financial stress, more emotional stress, more chemical stress than ever before. I heard stats that we we have, you know, a person right now that's working like a business owner, especially, um, or just anybody in the workforce right now, our dollar buys less and less and less. And so we have more stresses than ever before. So this time of year, yes, we have more sickness, more disease than ever before. So what what do we do in that? How do we be preventative in that? How do we fight back in this? Again, I don't like naming these diseases because it becomes a problem. Naming the flu is going to give them power to have more vaccines for it and everything else. So I always simplify you know, I was taught that the difference between flu and a cold was really a fever. And so, you know, the the main thing is going back and diagnosing this. Is it, uh, is, do you have respiratory issues? Do you have body aches? Do you have fatigue? Okay, um, but no fever, then you have a respiratory cold. If you have all of these ailments and then plus the fever, then guess what? You have the flu. So let's just get back to what it is. What is What do we call it? The flu and the cold. Okay, that might be very simplistic for a lot of people, and and but again, we need to simplify these 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 disorders for what they are, and give that again going back to not giving to fear, but simplifying that. And you know, I was taught that the best way for a cold and fever to rest, get you know, get some vitamin D, probiotics, uh, maybe some zinc, and, and give it some rest, and you'll be fine. You know, we have other element uh, things now too through the wellness company. They have ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and other things that are more heavy hitters. And those things will definitely, you know, wipe it out, uh, wipe, you know, a lot of flu cases out. But the biggest thing is, you know, this time of year, you're going to see an, um, a, a, a bigger uptick in flu cases. It's just, it's just the way it is because of the stresses that we're under right now. I had a, um, the owner of some medical clinics, I think he owns three in Florida and three in New Jersey and his three clinics in New Jersey, they were the first to start testing for COVID-19, not the rapid test, but the PCR. And he basically said that it, he, he did the sort of the extrapolation and the projection in terms of the infection rate. And to sum it all up, he said that the infection rate was far, far higher than anyone imagined or was even talking about. He wrote a book called uh, Dr. Fauci's Fiction because fiction, uh, because Fauci was, you know, spreading all of this in disinformation. But he said that there were the, the when you look at the, the number of infections and then you look at the mortality rate, it ended up being just what many people were predicting, just another seasonal flu. Do you agree with that? 100%. And I have the data to prove it. This is how I got into this area, and that's how we're having this conversation. Nobody knew who I was prior to the pandemic. 
we talked about the National Vital Reporting System. We talked about how they manipulated data in the National Vital Reporting System, or the statistical system, some people call it too. But we used to call it the National Vital Reporting System, the NVRS or the NVSS. And so if you look at all the data, um, and I can send you this data if you want to send out to your followers, and I have links and documentation to prove that this came from a subdivision of the CDC talking about how they manipulated data to coerce the people for, to get the influenza vaccine. And this is no, this is not anything new. Nothing's new under the sun. I mean, you look back, I got articles written by this dude right here behind me on my left shoulder that talked, he wrote an article 100 years ago during the Spanish flu called titled, a few fearful physicians forced funny flu frivolous for a few frenzied folks. Okay, <laughs> He talked about how they manipulated data to coerce people to get the influenza vaccine. And they talked about 100 years ago how the influenza vaccine was experimental. Okay, But he talked about how they weaponized the common cold through the media. I mean, that's why I said this whole thing is psychological warfare on the people. Okay. And so, yes, I 100% agree that they're manipulating data, but that's nothing new. They've been doing that for over 100 years. So I talked about how the common flu, like when I talk about workshops for over a decade, I put influenza workshops for over a decade, trying to raise awareness on how they are manipulating data. So the flu cases, to give you an example, they'll tell you, you know, the media loves to grab these numbers too, but give you an example, they would say 80,000 people die of influenza every year. 80,000 people, you know, it used to be 36,000, but then it slowly creeps up. I had an article in Omaha World Herald here that said 80,000 people died of influenza this year. And so I challenged the reporter, the journalist on there, and it was crickets. I never heard anything back. But I said, listen, the, I said, you took that number and you're, you are not understanding and you're misinterpreting that data. And I said, here are the real numbers. So I broke that 80,000 down. And I said, where did you get that number from? And I got the link and I found it in the, in the National Vital Statistics System. And they said, look, 80,000 people died of influenza. And I broke that down. I said, look, but 90% of those numbers were in the elderly. They had 13 plus medications. They had comorbidities. And so um, basically... This is the, the what they're doing. They're manipulating those numbers, and they don't tell you that. And so I really broke it down, and I said, look, the real number that is coming from that 80,000 is about 1,700 deaths. Wow. 1,700. But again, it was majority of them were in the elderly, and there was other complications that could be attributed to that. Did they die because of, of the flu or because it just coincidentally they had the flu? There's a big difference. Was that the cause of death? Could it be attributed to the, the 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 medications? Could it be attributed to the comorbidities? And that's where it gets. There's a lot of gray area with data. It's really easy to to manipulate data. It's really easy to influence data in the favor of these pharmaceutical companies, and they know that they don't. They know that the majority of the people will see those numbers. They don't ever question it. But yeah, it's just the flu. The flu season is, you know, again, it's really a deficiency season, a toxicity and deficiency season. And we need to understand that and really um, not just buy into what the media is pushing. They understand that fear sells. I mean, we live in a country right now that allows, you know, drug commercials on the television. We're one of two countries in the world that allow pharmaceutical advertisements on the television. And there are 80 drug commercials of every hour of every single day. Do you think they're going to tell you the truth? Are they going to push their products? And you're seeing that now. You're seeing big pharma pushing a lot of this media scare right now. And we can't give in to it. And so, um, you know, Paul Offit, he's a big vaccine pusher. He's got patents on the RSV and you're seeing the RSV now being pushed this time of year, giving it safe for pregnant moms. But the question is, are do they have our health in the best interest? And, and they have lost, you know, integrity. They lost the trust of the people, especially during the pandemics. They overplayed their hand. 
But my point is, we we can't trust the media and what they're saying, and they will, and they're blatantly deceiving the people through data. So that was a long-winded answer to you, but I, I hopefully I, I covered that. Yes, absolutely. So you mentioned the the comorbidities and so forth uh, with these flu deaths. So instead of eighty thousand, the real number is probably around seventeen hundred. And some years are less than that. You know, some years are twelve hundred, some years are seven hundred. So and it's really hard to like, did they die because of the flu or just because coincidentally they had it? Right. I remember very early on in the pandemic, we had doctors in and scientists in Italy saying that, you know, 90% of these people that are dying, particularly early on in Northern Italy, had six, seven comorbidities. And they put the actual number of COVID deaths, like, I don't know, it might've been a hundred instead of whatever number they were spouting, or maybe even less than a hundred. So it's the same thing here, comorbidities, dying with COVID rather than dying from COVID. I mean, what are the real numbers then, do you think, in terms of death from COVID? Well, again, that's hard to tell because it's hard to say. I just got some data um, from a senator here in Nebraska, and I'm, gonna, I'm really interested to see. Now, I think there was an uptick in deaths, absolutely, but was it due to COVID? And I think it was due to protocols, faulty protocols being pushed down by administrative top-down doctors like Fauci. Um, you know, the protocol has been shown to be very harmful. And so, again, that raises the question, um, what are the real numbers? So I think that people were dying, but it's not like it was any uh, different from any other years. You know, the fall, the, the uptick in deaths, again, uh, were from protocols. But I have, uh, you know, people from here locally. I talked to a, a gentleman that owns a cremation uh, business, and he basically was responsible for going into the homes, finding the dead bodies, picking them up, and then, you know, they'd cremate the bodies. And he went to a particular home and the the individual committed suicide. Okay. And so it was a very obvious death. There was a, you know, gun wound to the head. Um, and, you know, he told me that they labeled the death COVID-19. And that's when he started really questioning the narrative. And he started listening to me and he brought that to my attention. And he's like, well, how many other people do that? And I, and I told him other cases. I had a lady, her, her husband died of a motorcycle accident and they label it COVID-19. And then you look at one of the health directors in Chicago or in Illinois state that, you know, it doesn't matter if they uh, had obvious other deaths or it doesn't matter if they're on hospice uh, and have three weeks left to live. If they test positive for COVID, the, the cause of death will be labeled COVID-19. And that's called manipulation of data. Okay. And so that information needs to get out to the people and say, look, there's nothing to fear here, but fear itself. And, you know, fear is the fire that fuels the furnace of disease. And, uh, you know, and so that's, that's where I stand. Again, we can't give in and have this emotional component. It drives me crazy when we have fear being pushed into our healthcare systems. Again, we want to be proactive. You want to be preventative. Then get an emergency kit. Get one of those medical kits at home. And you don't have to give in to fear. You'll have a peace of mind at home. And it's just a better world, better place. Knowing that you have it, if you ever need it, it gets to keep you out of the hospitals. Again, the, pro the protocols were the, the, the main reason for the uptick in deaths here. TWC.health, that's the wellness company. TWC.health, Dr. Ben Tapper, my guest. Stay with us. We'll come back and discuss further. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The truth will set you free. Free, free, free. But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Dr. Ben Tapper is with us, studied vaccinations, adverse reactions for over 20 years, and has put on vaccine lectures for the past decade. How did you get involved with the wellness company? So I, I got involved because um, I've been speaking out against, I like to call it the crony baloney for over you know the past few years. And I, like I said, we put on lectures, um, you know, regarding a lot of just vaccination and injuries and, and the corruption and, and, and with data. But in 2019, I held a seminar um, and I said, look at all this draconian legislation coming our way uh, regarding basically refusing a pharmaceutical product, hence the vaccine. Um, and so there was a lot of bills in place and legislation in place to take away our freedoms in the medical uh, in the medical realm. And I spoke out very loudly. Well, the government targeted me in 2020. They um, you know, I spoke out in about a mask hearing here in Omaha, and that video went viral. I had three million views in 24 hours. The government labeled me one of the disinformation dozen. They said I was responsible for 65 percent of the so-called vaccine misinformation. I was like, dang it, I was shooting for 100. Okay, <laughs> but uh, you know, but and so you know, two months after that video went viral, they targeted me and they seized all my accounts. My my Instagram uh, was hitting three to four million people a month, and bam, bam, it just got wiped out. You know, we uh, they seized my PayPal accounts, my Venmo accounts, um, and you know they deplatformed me on YouTube, TikTok, uh, basically any platform because they did not want that in- the information to get out there. The truth will set you free, just like you just a minute ago. But you know the Orwellian quote is in times of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And what Ron Paul says, truth is treason, an empire of lies. Why are they so afraid of what we had to say? Because they were censoring the truth. Well. You know, so I gained a platform. God gave me a voice in this fight. And really, that's how I got tied into the wellness company. I got in contact with the CEO and he liked what I was doing. He liked what I had to say. And he was basically, um, you know, he wants to bring health, true health to the forefront. And so that's why it's congruent with what I've been doing. I, I feel like we have a, a massive opportunity right now to educate the masses on what it means to be healthy or what it means to really not give in to these fear campaigns being pushed every year. And so I like to, um, you know, partner with companies that are that are congruent with my philosophy, congruent with my convictions. Um, and so, you know, and like I said, we have an opportunity to, to bring true health to the forefront in this mess right now. Yeah, this mess. Do you think we learned our lesson when the next when the next pandemic comes along or whatever it is, whatever they try and blow it up to be? Are we going to go through the same hell again with lockdowns and masks and mandates? We kind of have to zoom out um, and do like a 30,000 sky foot view. And why did this occur? And, you know, I, I like to think it was the Hegelian dialectic, you know, the problem, reaction, solution. And, you know, the government of Hitler's time, they said, don't ever let legislation um, go to waste in the, in the name of a crisis, okay, or in the face of a crisis. And so any, that means that anytime there's a crisis, they they try to push their, you know, their, they move their chains ever so slightly. And, you know, and so you're seeing that. You, see, you saw that with 9-11, you know, you saw the Patriot Act, all these different um, kind of these draconian 
um, bills come our way in the name of crisis. I mean, you look at when Sandy Hook occurred, there was Dianne Feinstein implemented a 2,700 page gun bill and, you know, just boom, whipped out of nowhere. And so those are kind of what they call problem reaction solution scenarios. And I like to think that Corona was a problem reaction solution scenario where they they really moved their chains during the pandemic. They they implemented a lot of legislation. They, you know, look how many businesses um, closed down and funneled business towards these other Amazon and these other bigger industries. And, you know, they they really hindered the small family, the small business owners during that time. I think it was over like, I don't know how many you know, was it 30, was it, I don't know, it was at 3 million businesses closed during the time of the pandemic, Boy, something crazy something like, like that. that. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, how, how many of those, how many of those businesses aren't going to reopen, you know? So, you know, did we learn our lesson? I hope so, but we had, it's really, it was an IQ test really of, you know, how are we seeing the tyranny? Are we seeing the patterns of communism, the patterns of globalism uh, being pushed on the people? And, you know, I believe it was an agenda, you know, I believe there was a real agenda behind this whole thing. And, you know, I think we need to start digging deeper. Why did this occur? Well, we have event, you know, 201, the dress rehearsal prior to the pandemic. So that kind of hence is the reason, oh, this looks like uh, maybe a pandemic is occurring, you know. And then we have Agenda 2030, Agenda 2020, Agenda 2030. And, and they're laying it out there. They're not hiding it. It's just people are uneducated. They're not doing their due diligence and digging deeper for the truth. I mean, you know, what is the the quote out there? Fear is a a very, a very influential tool um, to really move the masses when the masses are uneducated, right? And censorship censorship is a is a tool of the tyrant um, to keep them ignorant and and so and uneducated, and that's where I feel like we're at. Are, did we learn our lesson? Are we going to repeat history? Well, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who stated that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Those who remember history have to sit back and watch those who don't remember repeat it. And that's what I feel like we're at. I mean, I feel like a you know small convicted few are really there. And I, I want to be encouraged by those small convicted few because a small convicted few have the ability to change history for the better. Because in, in history, that's really all that's ever changed history. I mean, look at the revolution. It was 3% of the population. Sam Adams said it doesn't take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority of men. Keen said on brush fires of freedom in the minds of the people. And so, you know, our voice matters. And so I hope we've learned our lesson. But I think we, I think it, it ignited uh, that convicted few. And I do believe that the soil for truth is rich right now. I mean, just having these conversations with you, talking about vaccines. I've been doing this for a long time, carrying this burden for a long time. And now just having that ability to talk about it, I think the ties are turning. And I do believe that these globalists have overplayed their hand. I'm just looking at the, the stock price or the projections from Pfizer. They're down 44% this year. They were down 80% last year. Nobody wants their damn product anymore. So maybe that's a good sign. However, we don't have the fear kicked into high gear right now. We're So that may have something to do with it, but it is encouraging nonetheless. You mentioned vaccines. I mean, how do you feel generally about vaccines? Are there any that are safe and effective? Vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. That was a direct quote from the Supreme Court. There's not a safe vaccine on the market, okay? And if you want to, people argue with me on that area, um, I would be glad to talk and have a dialogue. You know, the problem is when we have this dialogue with vaccination that usually 
ends in slander. And when the debate's lost, it turns to slander. And that's the unfortunate truth. It's like, let's be grownups here and let's have this conversation. The problem is so many people have such an emotional attachment to vaccines that we can't even sit down and have a dialogue about it. And that's the problem. And I think that has actually been really on purpose. I think that was the whole intent to make it such an emotional topic that we can't even have a conversation. How many families were divided over the vaccine topic? How many businesses and everything else showed scrutiny on the vaccine? And so, I mean, even Biden himself said that the that there's an epidemic of the unvaccinated and so, you know, going back to, is there a safe vaccine? You know, we, we vaccinate in utero now and they tell the moms, oh, it's safe. The baby can have antibodies to the vaccine, but we have, we have an explosion of neurological developmental disorders, delays, demyelination, degeneration than ever before. It's an epidemic. We have an autoimmune, what is it? 10,000 times higher than ever before. Why do we have this huge uptick in autoimmune and why can't we question the one thing that's supposed to trick your immune system and thinking it has a disease, you know, and, and so, you know, hepatitis B is the first vaccine administered out of the gates and you're, it's a sexually transmitted disease. I mean, can we have an ounce of common sense here? But the problem is common sense is not so common. I mean, hepatitis B is a sexually transmitted disease. You only get that by sharing needles and sleeping around. Okay, well, if the if the mom's not sharing needles and sleeping around, then why in God's green earth do we put that baby in harm's way? Look at the adverse reactions from the hepatitis B. MS is on there. Encephalitis. I mean, death is on the adverse reaction. So, you know, it's really, there's no clinical reason to justify administering a hepatitis B vaccine, a sexually transmitted disease vaccine, the first 12 hours of life. I mean, give me a break. We need to start thinking about that. Okay. And then polio, you know, people say, what about polio? You're going to bring back the polio vaccine. Well, if we look at poliomyelitis and break down the word, it used to be called infantile paralysis. Okay. But, you know, polio means gray, myel is spine and itis is inflammation. Okay. So poliomyelitis is inflammation of the gray matter of the spinal cord. Okay. Why do we call it, uh, you know, poliomyelitis, or why do we call it, you know, paralysis of the gray matter of the spinal cord, that inflammation in the spinal cord? Well, if I were to give you arsenic or, or let's say lead, you would have inflammation of the gray matter of the spinal cord. So from a bio-observational standpoint, from a bio-identical standpoint, it's, it's identical. It's really, or from an observational standpoint, it's bio-identical to arsenic poisoning or, or poliomyelitis, if you, the two. And so it's really, um, you know, how do you say it? It's, it raises the question, is it really a, due to a, a virus and is the vaccine really helping? And in, in history, if the medical establishment doesn't know the cause of something, they would always blame it on a virus, like scurvy. Scurvy was blamed on a, on a virus. And, you know, I think that they're doing the same thing uh, with the polio. They're blaming on a virus because they don't know the cause of it. But really, we know scurvy is due to a vitamin C deficiency. And I do believe that there's going to be a toxicity issue with polio. I mean, look at the the gypsy moth. We were During the, the implementation of the gypsy moth, we were spraying all this different pesticides, uh, arsenic-based pesticides over everything. And coincidentally, we had this huge uptick in and, and paralysis and inflammation of the gray matter. And was it a virus or was it due to these pesticides being sprayed everywhere? And did the vaccine truly save us? Well, if you look at the implementation of the vaccine, the timeframe of the timeline of it, polio is already declining. It was on the decline. And they're like, look, see, the vaccine was implemented here and it saved everything. Well, once the implementation hit, we did have an uptick of 
of, of polio. And they were using a live attenuated vi virus during that time. And so there was a vaccine induced polio. And then, you know, then it started on the decline again. They gave, they attributed that to the cause or the, you know, they gave credit for the vaccine vaccine and saying, see, the vaccine saved us. But really, if you look at it and zoom out and look at the time frame, the implementation of the polio vaccine, the polio vaccine didn't save us. We had, you know, we were getting rid of the lead-based pesticides and we were, you know, you know, plumbing issues and everything else kind of came about and started helping these things. And it really wasn't uh, the vaccine that saved us, but you look at the people in the CDC and everybody else, and it's like, oh, the, the vaccine saved us, and they attribute that. You know, I've never had a vaccine in my life, nor did my siblings, nor did my children, and, and we're healthy, thank the Lord. And we never had any of these diseases. And it's like, well, how many kids and do we have to have before the whole, you know, contagion claim or these uh, these health claims are mathematically impossible? Dr. Tapper, we'll take another time out, come back. I want to talk some more about vaccines. Stay with us, Strange Planet. More on the other side. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, it is accepted as self-evident. Self-evident. You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Dr. Ben Tapper stays with us from the wellness company, TWC.health, TWC.health. And for my American listeners, check out the uh, emergency med kits and the uh, emergency uh, COVID kits, um, and hopefully soon coming to Canada, TWC.health. Uh, as you were talking about um, polio, and uh, I was just about to mention Forrest Moretti, and uh, his book, The uh, the Moth and the Iron Lung, a biography of polio. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with Forrest and that book, uh, but it's, it's yes. yeah, it talks exactly about that. You know, the when the spraying for the gypsy moth subsided, you know, fall, winter, we didn't have polio cases. It was always in the spring, summer, when they were spraying. There's talk that the mRNA technology is going to be used in all of the vaccines. Are you hearing anything more about that? That's 100% factual. That's not a conspiracy. That's that's going to be factual. It's a different form technology of vaccinations. And really, I think you want to go down rabbit holes. I mean, this is scary technology. This technology has never been utilized on the planet ever before in vaccinations. And, you know, messenger RNA, you know, I don't want to say anything that's not true, but it really is interesting. If you look at CRISPR-Cas9 technology and what CRISPR-Cas9 technology does, 
And it looks real similar to this M- messenger RNA. I'm not saying that this mRNA is CRISPR-Cas9, but there is a, there are a lot of commonalities with the two. Um, and, you know, it just makes you wonder and question it. What is their intent in this mRNA? And why did so many people not even question this new technology? I mean, they have so much blind faith in this, these vaccines that they just rolled up their sleeve and then they shamed everybody else that didn't do the same. And so it's it's one of those things where we need to look at this technology. What is it doing inside the body and the spike toxin that is being produced? And really, and how is it altering our genetics and genetic expression from an epigenetic standpoint? That's where I want to talk about is like, that's my area of expertise. What kind of epigenetic influences can um, and um, will this mRNA do to the body? And really, it's it, it raises some concerns. And, you know, we gave uh, everybody our DNA through the polymerase chain reaction test, the PCR test, and we didn't even question it. You know, people think that this was like a bacterial swap. This is not a bacterial swap for the PCR test. You need DNA to activate that test. And and really, it, it, you know, it's you're just blindly giving the government and all these these medical establishments for DNA, not only that, but multiple, multiple, multiple times. How many people did the average person test and, you know, continue to test? And so now you just gave basically this, this establishment that has been shown to have zero integrity, all of your DNA. And what are the capabilities of this mRNA? I question it because we know that the big pharma has zero integrity. So what can they do with this mRNA um, in your DNA together. Can they turn on disease with this mRNA? Because that'd be very scary. Because if they can turn on disease to an industry that has zero integrity, that only profits when you are sick, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, am I the only one that thinks that's crazy? No, sir. Right? No, sir. Um, so it is going to be used in all of the childhood schedule vaccines or is being used now or... It's that's the the goal. All vaccines will be uh, mRNA. I mean, so that's the ultimate goal. Again, I think that there's I think there's uh, some, you know, I don't know if clandestine is the word or malicious uh, intent here. It's really, uh, you know, very uh, evil. First of all, that's the simplest way of saying it. But it, 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 it you know, it. We need to really be educated on these uh, these vaccines because it is an industry that profits only when we're sick, and they don't necessarily. I want I shouldn't say they don't want us healthy, but it sure seems that way. You know, again, their their profits are only dependent on us being sick and utilizing um, that allopathic model. And you know, so it it just it it is a concern and it raises some red flags and I and I don't really have a great answer to that besides trying to blow the whistle on it and saying we need to there is a better way than the vaccine there's a better way to prevent flu and there's a better way uh to prevent disease and it's not through a needle you know uh, and it's really taking your health in your own hands and being believing that you can be well and taking good making good choices and taking you know that ounce of prevention that's worth a pound of cure and really being proactive with our health and being preventative and getting you know uh, moving away from that toxicity deficiency model into the the purity and sufficiency and making good choices and good supplementation and that's the key it's really a paradigm shift more than anything else and so and it starts with educating the people for those that believe they've suffered or feel they have suffered some sort of COVID vaccine injury, what can be done at this point? So there's a lot of things. Again, like I said earlier, moving away from toxicity deficiency. So you had this injury, your eyes are open. Okay, now we have this toxicity issue occurring inside the body. What do we do about it? 
Well, there are things. I say move away from toxicity and deficiency into purity and sufficiency. And how do we do that? So many people ask that question. Well, the key, first of all, fasting is very, very powerful. Fasting is ideal. And then getting on good, you know, good food choices, that's the key. We need to move away from um, the toxicity and purity. And so we do that through fasting with good food choices. Supplementation is another thing that I recommend getting on good supplementation. The wellness company has a lot of good supplements. We have vitamin D supplements. So this time of year, unless we're getting 30 minutes of summer sunlight, we will be deficient in vitamin D. So I do recommend getting at least 40 IUs per pound of body weight of vitamin D, getting on good probiotics and zinc. And those other things are very powerful. Um, and then, you know, God forbid you ever do get sick, have an emergency kit at home too. But but really having that, um, and the spike protein is a, is a very uh, powerful supplement to help get rid of the spike toxin that's being produced in the body. Um, there's natokinase, there's dandelion root, there's selenium in this on the supplement from the wellness company. And it's a very powerful heavy hitter in helping detoxify the spike toxin in the body. Um, it's a good supplement I recommend. And so, but... You know, if you are having other serious injuries like, you know, transverse myelitis or Guillain-Barre or other serious inflammatory issues in the body, fast is going to be good. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy has also been beneficial. Getting in saunas, using high amounts of niacin at the time um, and fasting are very powerful. Keeping the body hydrated is also very powerful. Um, but again, the problem is, you know, this MRNA stuff is, is, is we've never seen anything like this before. So we're learning as we go per se. And, and it, it's one of those things where vaccinations or the old school vaccinations, um, excuse me, that it can enter, you know, you have aluminum nanoparticles on the things and then that get into the nervous system that make it very difficult for the body to get, get it out. And so, um, you know, but like I said, hyperbaric oxygen therapy is very powerful, very potent. Getting on, you know, juice cleanses, coffee enemas, all those different things. You can do, there is a uh, a good foot bath out there to recommend, like an ionic foot bath that can help put hydrogen inside the body and pull the metals from the body. Doing that um, is very potent. They, they have like, you know, different sprays out there that claim that they can help metal detoxify, which, you know, some of that might be good too, but but really um, starting with a, a spike supplement and, and fasting is very, is a, is a good way to go. Uh, the, uh, the virtual care that's available at TWC uh, dot health and people can sign up for that. And there's a, a allergy immunotherapy freedom from pharma. Are there doctors available who can help people with detoxing or, or recovering from COVID vaccine injury or any type of vaccine injury? Yes. We have a, a lot of telemedicine area in the TWC.health. And I think it's very, it's, you know, you got a lot of great doctors in there that can help and guide you in the right direction, um, especially if you are suffering with a vaccine injury, God forbid. But, you know, the unfortunate thing is I can't tell you how many people have reached out because they, they have experienced a vaccine injury and my heart goes out to them. Um, you know, so, you know, finding those doctors in the TWC um, website, those are going to be some of the best doctors that you can um, talk to and converse with. And if we can't help you, we can find somebody that will. And really that's the key. And so um, if you're one of those people that are suffering the, the vaccine injury, just reach out to us and we'll do the best we can in helping you. TWC.health, TWC.health. Trust in public health care, probably never lower than it is today and no, not without good reason. Do you think that this model that TWC.health is, the wellness company is, is instituting, is this the future of how healthcare will be delivered? I like to think so. I do believe that it, the key is really focusing on docs who care. I like to believe that this is a ministry in healthcare. What we do is a ministry and really it's the to care for people. What a privilege it is to be able to care for someone, someone who trusts in you to get them well. 
And that's what healthcare should be. And it's a paradigm shift. It's a mind shift. It's a heart issue. You know, so many docs in this field just want to make money and, 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 you know, and they look at it as a, oh, we can get rich in this model. And really life is not what you gather. It's what you scatter. And so the ultimate thing that a patient wants to know is, does the doctor care? And, you know, my whole mission statement in healthcare is to love people. I used to have this giant, dorky, long mission statement in my clinic. Oh, you know, the great physician that lies within. And, you know, it was just real dorky and long. And I changed it. I had a, a lady with Down syndrome that would come into my office and she would always wear my shirts. In fact, she'd wear my shirts so much that she'd put holes in them and I'd give her new shirts. And her name was Sasha and she was just an awesome soul. And she would come in and she'd give me the biggest hug and she wouldn't care if I had a line of people in the waiting room, she would always say, Dr. Tapper. And she'd come and run full speed. I had to brace myself and she'd give me the biggest hug. And I would have this most stressful days in my office and I would be stressed out, overwhelmed. And she would come in and give me a hug and just reset everything. I always said she gave me a heart reset every time she gave me a hug. And I was like, that's it. That's what this is about. This whole thing is about loving people. That's the key. So I changed my mission statement. I told my staff, I said, we're no longer focusing on our numbers. We're no longer focusing on our schedule and being stressed out about our numbers. If God brings us people, great. But our goal here is to love these people unconditionally with everything we have. That's what we're here to do. We're to love and to care for these people. They're in our doors. We're going to put our hands on these people and love them and care for them and do the best that we can at getting them well. And that's what it's all about. And so that's what I like to view this as. And so it's a great privilege to be able to serve others. If people want to come see me and talk to me and you talk about the future of healthcare, the future of healthcare is caring for people. That's the future. We want to get through this mess and have integrity and bring trust back to the people. Then it starts with caring them, caring for them and loving them. And that is the ultimate goal. And that's what it's all about. Dr. Ben Tapper, the wellness company, TWC.health. Ben, great to meet you. Thank you so much. Richard, great to meet you. I feel like we could talk for hours, brother. And it, um, if you ever want to talk about some of the stranger things too, I think you and I have a lot in common. So thanks for having me on, brother to be continued for sure. Thank you. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 